Hello, everybody. This is episode seven of the Stronghold Podcast. I'm here with Matt Polino. He's worked. Uh, he's worked in Hong Kong. He's worked in Singapore. He's worked in Malaysia. Uh, he's a guy who's been teaching MMA all throughout Southeast Asia. So, welcome to the podcast, man. Luke, what is up, my man? Thank you for having me. It's cool, man. We were just talking about how uh, in when we were both working in at Clinch in Malaysia. Shout out to Clinch. It's not open anymore, but fucking cool people. Shout out to everybody that trained at Clinch. Yeah. Uh, I've been talking about opening up and starting the podcast for a while now. Yeah. And finally did the damn thing. I've been talking about it for years. I never knew if I was going to get it done. So I'm happy to finally have you here and get it, get the damn thing going. Yeah, it was crazy. It would be like at night, like just coming back from class. You're like, man, we need to do a podcast. I'm going to do a podcast. Uh, it's going to be amazing. I'm like, oh, man. Then I disappeared. Then you disappeared. I'm like, oh. And then, boom, I ran into you last weekend at the SFC. And yeah, by the way, you did a good job at that, man. Uh, you did the commentary it, and you were doing the ring announcing. Yeah, the commentary was a bit off. It, it's... For me, it's always hard to like not say like say bias when my fighters are fighting. So like I know it, it can get a bit bad sometimes, but it's a, it was like a fun show. I help I help Armin out with it, so I wasn't like it's not like I was getting paid any like big money to do it. So it lacked a little bit of unprofessionalism, but. Uh, the ring announcing I thought was it was you were really good at the ring I didn't hear any of the commentary so I can't speak specifically for that but you know I find myself even I'm, I was judging while you were doing the the commentary and stuff and even as it's happening I'm doing the same thing I'm like coaching yeah. from the side <laughs> and I'm like I definitely should not be coaching these people while I'm judging it's so hard like people don't realize like anyone who works in the fight game who does that kind of work like offset work that's commentary ring announcing it's all it's a hard job you got to like interview the fighters beforehand. You got to know what they're doing. You got to know what they're like about and stuff. And it's easy to just go, oh, I can even call just saying the names right. Th this, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and just having a story to go on. It's like it's easy to say, oh, I can do fight commentary, and you have no back like background information on the guys while they're fighting. Then it sounds really dead and flat. You need yeah. to really dig in and divulge. So like, did they give you any information like the, the, uh, beyond the names in the gyms or anything well, like that? The thing is, is they all did the weigh in at Juggernaut. So I went around with like a piece of pen and paper and just you know got some key things like how long this guy's been fighting, how long this guy's been mm. fighting. Any interesting facts are always fun to throw out there. Like, oh, yeah. this guy comes from a family of twenty two. You know, mm. like this kind of stuff. People are like, wow. You know, you want to sell a story to the people who are listening. So yeah, a narrative is really important, especially from 100%. a commentary perspective, because you're just having people go up there and fight. If you can create a sort of narrative that the individual who's watching can get wound up in, it will increase the enjoyment across the board for everybody. Well, yeah, that, and it's also just like, thank God there's an actual event in Singapore besides one I see. Yeah. Just in general in Southeast Asia, like the market compared to when I first came here is so. It's all moved to amateur. There's no really avenues for professional MMA guys to fight. So shout out to like Arvin for throwing in a couple MMA fights there. But I mean, when I first came out here, there were so many shows. MFC was bringing a lot of pro guys in. Like Lake A fought on MFC. Uh, Andrew Leone fought on MFC. Uh, my friend Luke Russo fought on MFC. And it was like Malaysia Fighting Championships. And now... They're doing like one or two pro fights, but back then it was full pro. It was in like a bar and they put like the cage. It was, I don't know, maybe what like. What bar was it at? You remember? Man, I know Ultimate Beatdown, when they first had like their show outside the gym, it was at like Dabali Bistro and um, right on the corner of JB, like right before you go in in JB. It was awesome. And I think I, it was, I think I want to say it's called Time Out. Time Out, I mm -hmm. think is what it was called in KL. But yeah, MFC was like, when I first got here, it was like nuts. Because when I first got to Malaysia, they were doing their third 1FC show. Now they're on 100. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty interesting to see like, 
just the the diversity of the fighters that they had when they first came out. They had Babalu Sabral on the card. Um, Roger Huerta was on the card. And there was, like, a large international talent and then, like, very few local talent. And then there was, like, that midpoint where 1FC kind of was like, man, let's focus on, like, the local guys and stuff. Yeah. So they went that whole route. And, yeah, it's just been a good journey being here in Asia. I love being here. The people are nice. Um, shout out to Southeast Asians everywhere, I guess. It's a, it's a good dynamic. I love living here. It's cool. Yeah, well, I think we both sort of arrived here right as the scene started to develop. Because if I think I've been here for seven years now, I think I came here in 2012 or 11. Some, oh, something like that. And uh, since then, I mean, the scene's just blown up. When I came here, there were maybe four or five gyms. Now there's gyms on fucking every block. So uh, to see someone like SFC, I was also there for the first show because Ron fought for the lightweight title when the SFC won, and I was coaching him for that. To even see how the venue's gotten so much better. I mean, it, the first one was in like a gymnasium, I think. Yeah. And then this one, like they have the big screen in the yeah. back. The venue's fucking amazing. I wish they could get more locals fighting. I wish they could get... It's really hard when you take international talent to match up the skill level evenly. And I think that's sort of the issue, specifically with the MMA, because in the Muay Thai and the boxing, that level's high, and you can see it when you watch the fights. But with the MMA, there's some talent disparity that takes away from the quality of the matchups. I think. I'll be, that I couldn't agree like more with you. Like they pull they, that thing right up there. Right. They they need they need to fight, you know. But the thing is, getting Singaporeans to fight is so difficult. Yeah. And when they would do sign them up to fight, they pull out. So it's like. Man, now nowadays amateur fighters. Oh, I need an eight-week camp to fight an amateur MMA fight. It's just like, if I could give any advice, man, just fight. If you get the opportunity to fight as an amateur, fight. Because once you go pro, that shit doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like, man. And then the other thing is like compensation. Like Mima kind of just fucked everyone. They paid real good money to amateur MMA fighters for fighting in the show, and like Mima was a great thing, and like I don't harsh on it. But, like, people are expecting to get paid as an amateur athlete, and that's just horse shit. Like, yeah. man, in the U.S., when you were fighting professional, your first two or three pro fights, you got, like, $100 in tickets. Yeah, ticket 100 bucks. Yeah. And that's what, that's what you got. And now, like, you, you get these guys who are just, like, silver spoon. Like, oh, I need eight weeks camp to fight. Oh, who's my opponent? Da, da, da. Man, in Asia, at the Southeast Asian level, there shouldn't be an opponent, in my opinion, with the exception of like when Keanu Suba was fighting, that is so much further beyond the competition level yeah. that you should be scared to fight them. Yeah. I think everyone is pretty like even or equal. And if you've been an amateur MMA fighter for five years and you have a purple belt or a, or a brown belt in BJJ or even like a blue belt, man, take the fight, sign the dotted line and like fight. I own, like I help run Octagon Asia in Penang and they pay people too. For amateur fights. They pay. So, like, man, I think now in the quarterfinals, if you win, you get, like, $500 sing dollar, which is wow. amazing. For, for amateur, amateur? Fuck, yeah, that's really amateur. good. So, yeah, the 1500 ringgit, which is one to three. So, yeah. And I'm just, like, getting Singaporeans to fight because there's that, like, border rivalry camaraderie thing. I want to do, like, I want to match Singapore versus Malaysia. Mm. I like to see where they're at. And I just can't get any Singaporeans to fight. They just don't want to fight. So, back to your point, it's just, like, yeah, I would love to see more local talent, but the local talent's got to step up and take fights. Yeah. Like, man, don't, don't tell me, oh, you know, I need eight weeks to fight. I'm like, man, you're going you're gonna to fight in a tournament breakdown. You're going to fight four times in four months. Like, Which is what they do at MEMA. Yeah. You, you expect, like, eight weeks for, like, each fight? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. Bro, you're wearing seven-ounce gloves and shin pads. 
Yeah. Get the experience. And the referees stop the fights early. They don't let people take too much damage. Safety is the number one priority. For always. amateur fighting. 100%. Yeah. I mean, no no one wants to see an amateur fighter, like, go out on his shield. Oh, yeah. No, definitely this, not. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And it's just like, for me, it's I have to pick bone and tooth to get anyone from Singapore to fight. So, as I agree with your point, just getting people to fight is hard. And it's weird because, like, I know SFC catches slack sometimes because it's like, there's Singaporean fighters from juggernaut fighting on the card. And what people don't realize is, like, I help Arvin matchmake. And it had nothing to do with, like, juggernaut fighters getting put on the card. I can't get anyone from any fucking gym to fight. Uh, like, I, even, I even mentioned in the last podcast that I would have liked to have seen more local fighters thinking that, like, oh, they just aren't matching them up or it's mostly juggernaut people, but you just can't find the talent, is I, it? it? No one wants to fight. No one wants to fight. Or they want to fight with for an unridiculous amount of money. If, if you're an MMA fighter and you want to say, okay, I'm fighting professionally, or let's just say we're fighting amateur. If you're tell, selling tickets for $45 and you get an X amount from that ticket sale and like you make no effort as an amateur athlete locally to bring anyone to watch fight, why am I going to make the effort to give you a slot on the card? Yeah. And then you need to bring something to the show. Yeah. I mean, or, or if you want to get paid anyway, exactly. Like, like if, if you're not like hus- like if you're not hassling me for like money and extra benefits and all this kind of stuff and you're just down to scrap I love that like that's awesome as well but man it's it's like diva central here <laughs> bro it's dealing with a bunch of prima donnas and it's just like I, I don't know man it's crazy and the BJJ community here is growing as well but like man the BJJ community is like is also that it's got their own dramas and and things like that. You would know more than me. You're a BJJ guy. But it's crazy, man. Well, this is one of those, you know, adversity tends to breed those people that like to fight, right? And the thing is, like, the quality of life in Singapore is so high. For the people to do that, it's like, what are you going to go get your brains bashed in for? What are you going to go get a fight? Some people just have that drive in them where they want to go compete. But if the lifestyle here is quite cushy and you're feeling good, most people here train as a hobby or as a lifestyle rather than want to be competitors. And if they do want to compete, they tend to lean toward non-striking stuff like jujitsu or wrestling or grappling or, or whatever. And I think that's sort of what's going on. It's like people don't need to fight here. If you grow up in America, like especially think of like boxers in the 80s and the 70s in America, you know, living in Philly or Baltimore, like those people are fighting to get out of something, yes, right? 100%. Or even like think of the the big fighters in MMA now, the people from like uh, Kazakhstan and Dagestan and yeah. all of those steppe countries, Russians and shit, like they're fighting for there's life. There. Yeah, there's yes. nothing there. So that's their way out. And so nothing will motivate you like poverty, right? To get out and to fight for your survival. And I think in Singapore, it's just much more lifestyle, you know? So getting the locals to sign on the dotted line for no money is uh, probably a tall order. Yeah, and it's just like, and there's always something to fucking complain about. Man, <laughs> always, I mean, man. Okay, so like we had this guy from Impact Fight, and he missed weight. So he got, we deducted him a point. So I do this for fights in my card. Like, if you miss weight, you one round, you're, you're, you're even. Mm. So the most you can get, unless you 10-8 that fucker, is a 9-9. Nine, nine. Yeah, so I, you're already on a... Yes, and I, I believe this is the proper thing at Amateur. Because like, you can't deduct money. Well, so. I'm not going to deduct his purse sales. Like mm. his, the people are coming to see him fight. I don't want to du- deduct his ticket sales. This kid missed weight by two kilos. Didn't want to try and cut the weight at all. Said, oh, okay, whatever. Ended up losing the fight because of that deduction. And then goes online and is like, oh, you know, everyone said I won the fight. Bro, you lost the fight. 
Mm. Your hand didn't get raised. You lost the fight. Yeah, your first job is to make weight. Yeah, if before you the fight even starts, that's your first job. Bro, trust me, I've missed weight for a fight before. Like, not as much as my friend Jack Starr said I missed to the media, but I did miss weight. And it's a horrible feeling to win a fight when missing weight. So, like, when I, when I fought on the cruise ship, I was supposed to fight Nick Harris. And we're fighting at 85 kilos. This fucker has Wandy, whoever said, was like, oh, I was 10 kilos overweight. I was never 10 kilos overweight. It's absurd. 10 kilos? Bro. Oh, God. Bro, I was like. That's fucking too I was, I was still like 3.5 over, but uh. they were, man, everyone's like, oh, this guy's 10 kilos overweight. I'm like, man, whatever. But like, I've known Nick for a while and I gave him 100% of my purse. Mm. So at the end of the day, when the fight settled and whatever happened, we both made the same purse amount and like, that was my decision. But he he never go he never went on social media and was like the reason he lost is because of the weight which makes sense he didn't make excuses no he didn't make an excuse which i respect the hell out of him for and that's the other thing is like man if you lose a fight and you missed weight just shut the fuck up like yeah. don't don't sit there and make an excuse you fucking lost bro like you lost the first battle which yeah. is the weight cut and if you want to and if, if you were that confident that you're going to finish the guy fucking finish the guy mm. And like I just, I just have issues with this kind of shit. And these are amateurs. These aren't even yeah. pros, bro. I think the issue is, and there's actually been a problem with amateur fighters cutting weight. It's one of those things. Like, did you wrestle growing up? Did you do any wrestling? Oh, I wrestled for a very long. Because you wrestled. I was a wrestler. Yeah. That was my first discipline. So weight cutting is sort of par for the course. And I think that there's something almost that amateur fighters glamorize about weight cutting because they all imagine there's something that they like to brag about, about, oh, I cut this much weight. Oh, I did this. I did this. I was cornering Ron for, I'm not going to say any names, but I was cornering Ron for a rematch for an MMA fight when he was fighting SFC. And the guy that he was supposed to fight, it was a rematch. He came in like three kg overweight. And then we had to decide, well, does he, do we make him cut? Do we take the fight? Do we take the fight without him? Uh, cutting the weight so we gave him I think a two kilo allowance and still take the fight and he wouldn't do it he still wouldn't just cut the weight and it's, and it's yeah and it was one of those things like this was a rematch it was supposed to be a big fight and Ron trained his ass off for it he made the weight and the guy didn't even want to put the effort in to cut the weight and it's just like and this guy was big man he must have been walking around 20 pounds over and it's like why are you first of all why are and I saw him competing at a jiu-jitsu competition looking huge like two weeks before the fight so it's like he was competing before that when he should have been probably dieting and dealing with his weight and focusing specifically on the weight cut because he was so big. And then you see he didn't make the weight and he wouldn't even put in the effort to finish the weight cut. Well, and the other thing is like you wrestled and you, you, don't, you don't like water load and cut heaps of weight in wrestling. You're wrestling, you're like when you're wrestling, you're wrestling consistently. It's not like you can water load and cut like 10. No like, one's cutting 10 kilos exactly. for wrestling. And, yeah. the, and this is the thing. And well, my guys are amateurs and they're like, oh, coach, this guy is like one or two kilos over. Should I take the fight? I'll slap him on the back of the head. And yes, of course you're going to take yeah. the fight. You, if you, it's close, if it's close, no problem. But if the person doesn't even want to put any effort in and they're three or four kilos over, it's yeah, like, bro, for at sure. a certain point, it's your fault. Like, yeah, 100%. I agree with that. But it's also like you're in the point where you're, you're competing now. If you don't, take the, it, you don't take the fight, and that's why I always give a point deduction because that is like a fair thing. If this guy's overweight. Yeah, I think that's a good way to deal with it, actually. The yeah. point deduction for amateurs. Because then, then he's got to try and finish. Yeah. And this makes not only the fight more exciting, makes the guys work. This is a great way to handle this. But also, it's like, when are you going to get to fight again? Yeah. Step up. Take the fight. You know, the promoters will know this guy didn't make weight, so they won't have him next time. Yeah. The issue with Ron, too, was it was a title fight. And oh. if he didn't make weight, it's not a championship fight. 
So he's fighting a guy who's like three something kilos overweight. It's all of a sudden not a title fight, and he didn't want to cut the weight. And it's like, bro, but, but he still won have the belt, to, right? Yeah. Well, this was before. Oh. Yeah, this was he won the belt before. Then they were going to do a rematch <coughs> for the title again, and then he didn't make the weight because you know, like Thai style is they make you skip. Right, it's like you're gonna stand there and you're gonna cut the weight, and your punishment is basically being tired for the fight because I'm gonna watch you cut yeah, the weight. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so we even offered the catch weight, and it's like, so it moved to a non-title fight, which sucked for them. And then we offered a catch weight, and he still didn't want to cut the weight. And it's like, bro, you have to meet us somewhere. Like, you can't come in seven, eight pounds overweight, not be willing to cut any more, forfeit this title fight, and then just expect to. <laughs> yeah. Because then, and if he. There's got to be some give. Yeah. Like, both people have to, to meet in the middle there. And if he had rehydrated after that. He still would have been He would have been even 10, probably 10, 15 pounds over. I'm not even. I'm, it's like, I, God. I have no shame. It, was this Nasri? Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny. Oh, so it was. No. <laughs> Nasri, you fucker. No. I can neither confirm nor I, deny. I, I, By the way, Nasri, I'm not, I'm not throwing shit at you, bro, because he's still doing the damn thing. He's still fighting. He's coaching. He's, he's doing Sambo hard. and stuff, bro. He just yeah. missed the weight cut. Like, it, it happens, but uh, listen, man, you know, it's, it's not fun for him. It wasn't fun for us, and then it is what it is. But I think he, he got back on top of it because when he fought me, man, he made weight. Mm. So, I mean, he had to fight multiple times. He made weight, I think, I think he fought four or six weeks before that. You know, he just blew up after a fight, and then he thought he could make the weight, Man, and he didn't I would, make the weight. And this like, wanna... Yeah, that's like one of the guys I'd like to see fight more MMA. He's like, a beast. He's yeah, a beast. I mean, he's, he's got good striking. Like, I'd like to see him fight more MMA. I know all these guys are doing this Sambo stuff and stuff. And at the end of the day, good for them. They're representing their country. But, fuck, it's not MMA, bro. Like, yeah. dude. I mean, he should probably go pro pretty soon. Well, he's pro already. Is he pro already? He's pro already. Oh, good. good he good, fought good in Hong him. Kong. Unfortunately, dropped that one in just MMA. But he's already professional, and he's um. But like, okay, he's this. How many other pro MMA fighters are in Singapore? Not many. Not so many. So you got for like sure. Nasri, like from Impact, like ten maybe. Bruce Lowe, I, he doesn't even fight anymore. And then like uh, Ron, uh, the guy that fought in the UFC from Impact. Oh, uh, Royston Wee. Royston Wee, nice yeah. guy, really yeah. nice guy. Don't know him, but um. And then you got Evolve, which they have their guys. They have their guys. Benedict and Amir, and yeah, I'd like to see Ben. I think he's in NS. I don't know why he's not fighting now. Yeah. And then uh, you know, got some of the ladies too, Tiffany. Yeah. Um, oh, Major. I mean, he doesn't fight. Major anymore. back in the day. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, it's like. It, I mean, even Tiffany was on the shelf for a while with one. Like. No, I'm. I'm gonna bring her on the podcast. I hope she hasn't agreed to do it. But I asked. Uh, she's doing some classes now at New Fit, which is where Ron's at also. And uh, I asked him yesterday because he did the podcast with me most recently. I asked him to talk. I asked him to talk to her to bring her on because she's just getting iced man she beat michelle michelle nicolini in that fight and then all of a sudden she hasn't had a fight since michelle's fought angela lee since then and all and tiffany's just fucking waiting on the sidelines and i'm just wondering like I'm, they iced her after she beat their after she beat their one of their top draws you know well i think michelle nicolini was already like not part of evolve at that point yeah. but still like it's always i think then she was and she left shortly after that no, when Tiffany beat her, she had left already. Oh, she did leave yeah, already. Because there's no way you rep Evolve and you don't wear this stuff in the ring. That's true. No chance. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But um, You're definitely right about that. Actually, she looked good in that fight. She had a good takedown. Defense. It was a close fight, but then, I mean, especially whenever you consider how Angela's fight went with her. Tiffany's a beast, man. I saw her at some of the competitions. <coughs> I mean, she's fucking, she's got some broad shoulders. She's strong as shit. She knows how to wrestle, which is huge. She's not just, typically in Singapore, you see even like Angela style, right? There's yeah. a lot of jujitsu, and then they have like that Muay Thai style. But Tiffany has a more classical MMA style where she's like a wrestle boxer. 
which I think tends to translate better. Well, yeah, generally. I, I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's kind of pull that like, thing right up, dude. I'm worried you're not gonna. You're not gonna that's get, move it that's well. that's kind of like the thing with. I mean, we talk about one FC. Look at Jing Nan fighting Angela Lee. Angela Lee's takedowns are not from distance. Or no, she doesn't shoot. She doesn't. Yeah. She clinches against the cage and goes. But if you have good footwork and you can outbox from those positions and get off the cage, how's she gonna take you down? Yeah. I'm not a fan of that of that rebooking. I was talking about it on the last podcast. We were talking a little bit about the the one championship matchmaking, which at sometimes can be a little suspect, especially for the Evolve people, because you know it's again Chatri owns one and he owns Evolve, and so there's going to be some conflict of interest there. They're getting way better compared to five years ago. What they would do, it's gotten way better. But I think they rebooked this fight too early. Angela showed a lot of. I mean, first of all, I should say the Lees are definitely two of the best prospects in MMA. They're both young. They're fucking fierce, dude. Say what you want about, you know, some losses and stuff like that and some questionable rebooking of fights, but they are tough as shit. They do not give a fuck. They'll fight anybody, but I wish they would have given her a little bit more time to develop this skill set because on the feet, she can't, she couldn't back Panda up. You know, she was walking her down. She was throwing hard shots and she doesn't have the wrestling skills yet. Yeah. To, she doesn't shoot. She doesn't shoot. You cannot. And that's the thing is like, she's she, scrambly, but yes, she can't, but from the ground, yeah. not from neutral. Exactly. And, that was the thing is like, man, shout out to Bali MMA, my boy Gianni Suba, who helped train like Jing Nan for that fight. Oh, and did, did they? So I, I met both the Subas. They trained at Quinch and Aren't they like the in. best They're people. so fucking awesome, man. Aren't they like the most awesome people you'll ever I had, a, I had a really kind of shitty experience with Keanu once, and it was my fault. I went to, uh, I went to Clinch like three months before I started working there. Ahmed was like, hey, come down. You'll meet everybody. And I was kind of like talking to them and seeing everything because I knew I, you know, I was having issues with trifecta. And so I go down. I was planning on not training that day, right? Yeah. So I'm fucking wasted, right? I'm, I'm drinking all day because I'm on holiday and I'm going to clinch. I told everybody I wasn't going to train that day. Yeah. I told Ahmed. And then Ahmed's like, dude, just come in. Just come in. You don't have to do anything. So I'm drunk and I go in. And then Ahmed's like, dude, Keanu's here. Go roll with him. I'm like, dude, I'm fucking wasted right now. I'm not going to go roll with him. He's like, just go roll with him for a few minutes. So I go roll she with said, him. Ahmed, you go al- roll with him. <laughs> I'm stinking of alcohol, dude. I'm sure I'm like breathing in his face. And he probably thinks I'm fucking disgusting, like rolling with him and shit. And I can't do anything because I'm like wasted and I'm sweating, just yeah. smelling like booze. And I was, that was the first time I ever trained with him. And I was like, it's probably not, <laughs> probably not a good example of my skill set. Those those two brothers are like one. I, it's also, so humble. Well, just like the best people you'll ever meet in the world. Like yeah. this family will accept you as the family. Like those, they're, they're they're not even like to me. They're family. Like, and Gianni, who hasn't been able to fight, unfortunately, he was in the flyweight Grand Prix. Now he's doing the commentary, right? Well, yeah. And, like, one should rebook him soon, I think. Is he still – I thought he was kind of maybe thinking he was done. He had, like, a – he had a medical issue. Like, I don't really need to yeah, I no, divulge about. You, but yeah, he, sure. um, I think he, he'll be fighting soon again. Oh, and then okay. Keanu had the – got Anderson Silva. I didn't see that, man. Oh, man. He was – he looked so good. Like, man, the only way that guy was he, winning – To just the listeners, because this is audio and, and video, too. Yeah. He had a shin break. Anderson, so he threw an inside leg kick and it just snapped. Inside leg kick is dangerous. Yeah, man. I know. I one one is pretty sketchy about that shit. I heard about the leg break. I didn't see it, and then I tried to go back and look at it online. They had swiped. They deleted all the footage of him. What? You know, the warrior spirit and all. Yeah. <laughs> they they deleted all of the fucking video of him doing it, and then 
But that was that was really really sad. That is one of the most devastating injuries that you can get. And he's just getting back into doing BJJ. I saw he got cleared in. like last week or something to train. But he's so young, and yeah. like the thing with Keanu, and is, I rolled with him later. He's a fucking beast, man. <sighs> he's a fucking beast, bro. Keanu, good skilled jujitsu. He's fucking. He's really wiry and he's really smooth and and he's strong, like strong he's, for his size. Yeah. He's strong as shit. You, you, when he grabs you, you're kind of just like, man. This little Malaysian kid is strong, you know? Dude, that old team of guys, uh, for the listeners that don't know, again, clinch, clinch MMA, dude, between, like, Ev Ting, who had one of the most insane fights I've ever that's seen. nuts, right? That fucking, that's one of the best comebacks in one history. Between, like, both the Subas and Ev and all of those guys that have passed through clinch, like, that fucking, the team that has passed through those doors is just fucking incredible. Like, so, all those guys. Man. Ahmed and Tebin and the Subas and Ev and, like, fuck, man, those are man, beasts. It was crazy. So, like, and when we started Clinch, it was, like, Ev, we had met Ev Ting through Legend because he was fighting at Legend. And we're like, oh, come stay, you know. So, like, when I first met Ev Ting, I was late picking him up. Cause I was like banging some chick, and we had to use her, <laughs> we had to use her car to pick her up. Yes. And Evan, Evan sitting on the side, I'm like fuck, man. So like I brought no, her back to you're the banging house. Some chick. <laughs> so so uh, I mean, it w- it was funny. And then like, man, Ev Ev's another guy. He's like family, and he's dude. He is so, so so fucking chill. He came to clinch. Like we all sat there and we drank together after training, and like you want cool as shit. You want to talk about guys who blow up after fights? My boy Ev Tink can get up to like 85 kilos. Dude, he's got calves like. Fucking that, but though, man. His now legs are he, huge. He fights at 77, right? He used to cut to 65 and fight. Well, I think for probably his frame, because he's short. Yeah. For, I remember when they were talking about him fighting uh, Eddie Alvarez in that, in that tournament. I was like, fuck, man, because he's a little, a little short for that weight class. Yeah. But he, he, his legs, though, man, are huge. Bro, he's got tr- tree trunks for legs. But back to, the, like, clinch was amazing. So, like. We, we had Watcher Chai, was an amazing Muay Thai coach. Yeah, he was a coach at my, one of my old gyms, like, the Trifecta. We had Gianni Keanu, Prabhu, who is a media champ. Ayman, who fights in 1FC, who's also at Bali MMA. Amir Nasri would come by and spar, who's one of the best, like, Farang Muay Thai fighters in the world. He's won a couple Muay Thai belts in Thailand. And um, the talent there was just crazy. And then, like... One day, Esan and Ahmed came in like, oh, we want to train. Da, da, da. Oh, God, yeah. And then, like, Esan ended up fighting, and then Ahmed ended up fighting, and then this little Indian movie star, Tevin, came in. Oh, dude. Like, man. And then you had guys like Kanobu. Shout out to Kanobu. One yeah. of the best break dancers in the Crazy, world. Crazy, right? Dude, that guy's a fucking legend, man. Yeah. Like, Kanobu, shout out to you, man. He's killing <laughs> the damn thing. The man. people that walked through those masks was insane. The talent that Chris and you guys had gathered was just fucking off the charts. And when I was there, I could, you can feel it, man. You can feel it. So it was crazy. Like, when we first started, like, we didn't have jujitsu at our gym. So we were like, we were like, we were like, fuck gee. Like, we ain't <laughs> doing that shit. Like, we're doing MMA, and we're going to be a wrestling school. Our mats had a wrestling circle. Like, Iowa Hawkeye style. Big Yeah, black I, saw, I remember the old black mats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we were like. It's fucking depressing in there at night, bro. <laughs> it was like. So as to, for the listeners, uh. Matt and I worked at Clinch together. They yeah. brought me down, and I coached there for a year. And then uh, Matt was there for a little while, and then he moved on to another gym. But uh, it was fucking just insane. We met there, and the talent was just off the charts, just yeah. so I could catch people up with sort of how we met. And the place that we're talking about, Clinch MMA, was in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And they were that, man. I fucking missed that gym. They ended up closing down. And it when I found out that they closed, I got fucking depressed. Yeah. I had to leave. Like, I found out because uh, – my boy Shamir, who used to work there with me, shout out to you, Shamir, another fucking legend. Yeah. Shamir is one of the nicest people I've right. ever met in my life. 
he sent me a message and told me, and I was so upset I had to leave and go on a walk. I was yeah, just like, nuts, fuck, man. man. I mean, I was happy there. I didn't want to leave, but, you know, I had visa issues, and the visa issues forced me to leave, and then when I left, they didn't close down, and the whole thing just fucking depressed me because I love that place. Shout out to all those people, yeah, D man. and Habiba and Vlad. Yeah. I mean, Vlad. That if kid he, is amazing. Vlad, if, if he wanted to, he's fucking 17 now. He could easily be one of the best prospects in Asia. Yeah. Russian kid, like fucking slick jujitsu, really, really good Muay Thai. Maybe get try to get Vlad on some fight. He he was itching to fight when uh, when I left. Yeah, I think like just like that that gym was like a good family vibe. Like yeah. everyone was. I was straight up depressed, yeah. dude, when that shit closed down. I wish I I could have done I would have done anything I could have to keep that shit going. Yeah, and it was so like when we first started, like when I was coaching at Clinch at first, there was no like there we had to work with monarchy together. So like Samir would bring Aguil on to clinch and wrestle and we didn't have jujitsu. So we would go to monarchy and we would cross train. Mm. So this was like, this was like a good, like it was a good, like at that time in, in Malaysia, it was a good, like, it was just real good. Like feeling everyone got good work in Peter Davis was fighting at the time. still, so he would drop by a couple of times and, um, uh, yeah, Malaysia, man. I think like when you look at Southeast Asian countries, it's the most developed for MMA. It's. I think Singapore is the most developed technically, <coughs> but Malaysia is going to catch them up. And I, I think that in my experience, Malaysians are generally scrappier. They're willing to go through a little bit more of a hell to get where they're going. I just think when you look at the talent of fighters, how many guys are at the highest level, there's a lot more Malaysians fighting higher level guys than Singapore. I think they're. I think they're going to pass them for sure. I think the issue yeah. is that like in Singapore, you get. It attracts a lot more foreign coaches because the, the pay tends to be higher. So, I mean, you know, you get all the black belts from Brazil and all the ties that they will pay a lot of money yeah, to. Yeah, for sure. But I think in terms of the fighters themselves, I mean, if you think of the Malaysian fighters, you have the, both the Subas. You got Ev. You got Aguilon who's fighting. Uh, Yushin Okami. He's fighting Yushin Okami, which yeah. is pr- pretty fucking good fight. Yeah, Aguilon, that, he can win that fight for sure. I mean, uh, Aguilon's a beast, dude. He's got really good wrestling. Another really nice guy. Yeah, man. And, like, he took the time, man. He went and trained with Dan Henderson for mm-hmm. a while. So, like, he's one of those guys who went out and, like, went to, like, seek information. So, like, man, yeah, the Malaysian. And then, like, Jihin, the girl Jihin, she's fantastic. The Jihin, shadow I cat. I don't know. Oh, uh, I've heard one FC. Mm. Right. She, watch her. She's fantastic. She's an amazing fighter. And, um, yeah, um, who else is there? And those MEMA shows, they're, they're producing a lot more good talent. Well, MEMA's gone under since. It's that, it's that tournament thing, man. That that tournament thing ended up being ridiculous. I was coaching Ahmed when he won Mima, and like they would have to fight every couple weeks, and then people would drop out. And so then you had the fifth one, correct? He Ahmed I, won I, the I did, fifth. I, yeah, I coached through two of them because he fought. Actually, when he fought Aguilon was the first one. That was when I just started. That teaching. was sad. Yeah, because he was he just gassed out. And got well, I mean, he was he was training at Juggernaut for a while, so like yeah. he came in in the clinch in and out, but like. He didn't really train seriously for that fight. Yeah, no, I was, I was his. Uh, I just started coaching yeah. at Trifecta as the wrestling coach, yeah. and he hadn't done any wrestling. Yeah. So in that fight, I mean, he was tuning him up on the feet, but he didn't have the wrestling training. And uh, he was telling me that he was going down to Juggernaut to train, and they were just like fucking broing down and fighting in the sparring and shit like that. Yeah, when he was there, like Sebastian Catastam was there, the one FC welterweight yeah. champ, and that guy is a fucking gorilla. He man. told me that people in sparring were just full on fighting, and Bro. I was like, shit, man. I mean, like, like there's the there's people. People who are getting to MMA realize, like, Juggernaut is a boxing gym. Mm. And boxing sparring is not like MMA sparring. Yeah, you're right. Like, they, they don't go in there to protect you and, like, oh, hit soft. That's not how it works. And boxing sparring, you go in there to land and land hard. And that's just how it is. And that's, like, the environment that they kind of grew up under. 
So, I mean, you look at guys like at Juggernaut now, like Raul, he's a fantastic guy. He's got good jujitsu. When you look at guys who fought Gary Tonin in 1FC, Raul was giving him his toughest fight. Yeah, got, no, I, I, I know Raul well. He coached at Juggernaut. I was friends with him. I cornered actually Major with him yeah. when he fought Boku in the in one championship. So, yeah, he came would come and train with us. I think it was at Pure or somewhere. We were using the cage downtown, and Raul would come to the training sessions and stuff. Strong as shit. Yeah, Raul's strong as fuck. Strong guy. He doesn't have any legs. I can't believe he makes that weight. I don't know how the fuck he makes that weight class, man. He's tall. For people to he say. He has no that, legs. Like, one of the things about Raul, I make fun of him a lot. He got no legs. His leg is about the size of the He's a stool, man. He's, like, fucking wide at the top and those skinny little legs. I love you, Raul. Love you. <laughs> yeah, he's a good dude, man. Yeah, he's a man. And it's just, like, I think one of the greatest things about coaching MMA, just, like, and you probably you can contest to this as well, is just the amount of people you meet that are, like, healthy, just, like, just the amount of, like, healthy people you make that, like, make your life better. It's the best. Yeah. The community is what keeps... You know, the skill set is what draws people in, and the community is what keeps them. 100%. And in my experience, particularly in Singapore and also Malaysia, the community is so fucking good. Like, because the people here are chill. You don't get the same egos, like, in my experience, I got in North American training, where it's like, you would get the guys that would come in there and that they want to fucking fight, and they didn't know how to control, and sometimes it would be hyper-competitive to the point of detriment. Malaysia, everyone here and in uh, Singapore, it's like, it's a technical skill. Everybody here is like smart and they're intelligent and they've, they're learning the skills necessary to improve. And improvement is really the focus rather than like coming here and like trying to bro down and fight and all that kind of shit. Bro, when I first went to Tiger Muay Thai, must have been like 2014. It was like that. Yeah, you I, had to I, go I, in, I hear those stories. You had to go in there and man, Prabhu was preparing for EMOF World Championships, the first one ever in Las Vegas. And he got knocked out in sparring by a Russian guy. Bro, like he's an amateur fighter. And it's this pro guy. And he went and knocked Prabhu out. And it's just like, man, like cold. Like it was, it was vicious. And we we're just like, man, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, you can't. You can't, you can't have that. Man, George Hickman and his brother Frank really kind of turned Tiger around. Like when, you, when I first got to Asia in Phuket on that soy, like Phuket top team was probably better, better gym. And now, like, Tiger's just engulfed the soy. I mean, they have so many fighters now. Man. I have so many. If you. I was there for like Volkanovski's there now. He's fighting Max Holloway. Shevchenko's there. Like they, they've got so many good guys now. Man, it's crazy. So like George was a tryout winner in 2014. So like when I went there with my Emoff guys from Malaysia, you had all these guys trying out. So like Shea Walsh, Alex Volkanovski, George Hickman, they are 2014, I believe that's the year, tryout winners. So when we were there training, they were trying out. And now they're the now George is the coach. And like I think Volkanovski is going to beat Max Holloway. Yeah, that's a I tough think fight. It's a tough fight. I think he's going to win it, though. I think it's stylistically. Oh, I think it's Max Holloway's toughest fight. I'm pulling for Volk for sure. Like, Even, but I just think in terms of the tech. I mean, that guy is a fucking animal, man. That fight against Josie Aldo was insane. I man, can't believe he's he, so strong. I, was, I know. He's he used so to be strong. a fucking heavyweight or some shit, didn't he? Well, he used to play <laughs> rugby, like, front line, and he's got pictures online where Alex is, like, super fat. But it wasn't, like, 80, 90 kg. Oh, he was more than that. I know yeah, he's yeah. fucking fighting at featherweight. Yeah. How the fuck can he? Oh, and, my and God. And the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Is Alex it? is a fucking phenomenal guy that's why like i liked training at tiger like when i was there they had like there's just so many nice people like glenn sparva is a super nice guy like tai tui vasa all those big like australian guys he, super just, had, he nice. just had a pretty tough loss i saw yeah Ty. yeah that, he needs to work on his grappling man he's the same thing over and over you're at that level everybody knows not to throw with you your nickname's bam bam like they're gonna take you down bro yeah he's had two russians i believe back mm. to back and then um but like just the training atmosphere now compared to when i first got like went to tiger like, the Hickman bros really just, they, they've made that place so enjoyable to train at. 
No, that's good, man. Yeah. But I think people are starting to train their training, change their training philosophies now. You see a lot less of that just like going. Throw down. Yeah. There's no that yeah. old shoot box style where it's just like, let's bang it out, Vanderlei Silva. Like. Well, it's like, you know, save your fights for the ring. I was, you don't get paid in practice. That's I believe, right. I 100% am going to have to like, that's like, that's my philosophy is like, man, when you're sparring and sometimes it's fucking hard to get through my guys at Juggernaut, like the guys I'm helping out with, they just want to throw the fuck down all the time. And I'm just like, man. Who's paying you for for this round? And like, huh? I'm like, you're not getting paid. Like, protect your partner. Yeah, you know? protect your partner. That's the thing, because the people that are training are also whoever the coach is. They're their students, and if they're just like throwing down like that, student first, you know, like yeah. th- these guys are your paying members. You got to protect them, especially in Singapore, right? Like, yeah. I was telling my wife uh, we we did a podcast uh, a couple days ago, and I was explaining to her that like this is what the amateurs are for. Because if you're training with the sparring partners, like, nobody is ever going to go at you 100% like somebody will in a fight. Yeah. You'll never match that level. Even if you're like, okay, fuck it, let's just throw it. You're still going to hold back a little bit, unless you're an asshole, right? Or unless your coach is There not, are those people. You will get But that. yes, But 100%. still, the foreign person is still going to come at you in a way that your training partners won't, right? Yes, 100%. So that's what the amateurs are for. And I think you'll get people that will go with you hard, but you should never go, I think, above like 70 or 80% in the training. If you want to go hard like that, that's what the amateur fight, that's what the amateur circuit is for because you need to protect your sparring partner. You protect each other first. Man. And then if you want to feel what it's like and you want to really throw down, then we'll train you. We'll train you properly and then you stare down somebody else who's also trained and then that's how you do it. Yeah. And, and, the other and thing, you can have 50, 100 amateur fights if you want. Like, and then if you want to go pro, you're going to be fucking ready. Yeah. It's not going to be like... Man. There's people, people have this thing where, oh, I need this X amount of amateur fights before I go pro. You go pro when you're fucking ready to go pro. Yeah. There's no, everything is different. Some people, like, they're, they peak earlier. They're ready to go earlier. Some people, they require more fights. And it's, like, up to the coach's discretion. But, like, there's no set number. That's why I said earlier in the podcast, like, man, take the fights. You get them, take them. It's experience. Yeah, especially with because again the amateurs, it's way lower risk. You're wearing those fat mushroom gloves. For you're sure. You're in shin pads. The referees know to stop it early. There's They're no trying. Hooks. There's no heel hook. They're trying to protect you. Yeah. So, like it's relatively low risk, and you can have tons of amateur fights, and then you will know if you want to go pro. I wish that MMA fighters would use the amateurs like boxers do. Yeah. Where you can have hundreds of amateur fights, right? And then For I mean, sure. look, look at Lomachenko. How many amateur fights did he have before he went pro? And then he For was, sure. and then he was a world champion in ten fights or seven fights or whatever it was. Uh, why do you think the reason that amateurs don't take so many fights in MMA is? I think it's because it tends to be people who have a shorter sight. They're like people want to call themselves a pro fighter. And I think that that's a short-sighted thing, whereas amateurs, especially high-level amateurs that are boxing for a long time, they see the pros as the end game. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of young MMA fighters want to be called pro fighters. And then that's why they'll – some of them will have none. Though I was talking to Steven, Steven Langdown. He took – he was 19 years old. He trained for like six, eight months, took his first pro fight at 1FC without ever having a fight in his life in front of 10,000 people at the Singapore Indoor Stadium. That is fucking insane. Like <laughs> – yeah. Because, listen, you can get fucked up in pro fights. Yeah. Make no mistake. Like, you do that at your own risk. That is not the way it should be done. But opportunity to knock sometimes, and then, you know, you what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. But it's also, like, I think it's go back to, in my personal opinion, it's the weight cut. People are convinced that you have to cut an insidious amount of weight to fight MMA. And I just don't agree with it. Like, I feel like that's the reason why people don't fight so often is they think they have to cut 
eight to ten kilos, which is bullshit. It's almost like this badge of honor, right? People are <coughs> like, oh, I had to do this. Uh, badge of stupidity. Jiu-jitsu people and MMA people love glorifying their weight cuts. They're like, oh, bro, I cut this much weight. I did this. I fucking ate vegan. I did whatever the fuck. I'm keto. I did. It's like, dude, like, how was, what'd you do in the fight? <laughs> like, yeah, what right. did, you know, that was uh, way more important yeah. than, like. Skills pay the bills. I 100%, man, your eight kilo weight cut isn't going to give you an advantage over someone more skilled than you. Yeah. Especially at amateur. If someone, Especially at amateur, yeah, right? If, I mean, if someone is way more skilled, you cutting all that weight, it's going to slow you down. It's just going to fuck you up even more. So Cut a couple. I mean, you can cut, cut the water weight. Like, lose Four the, kilos max, man. Yeah, like, lose the sugar. Like, cut out the sugar. Like, lower the carbs and fight at you know, maybe like two or three kilos below what you yeah, weigh. I like, mean, eight that's point, it. 8.8 pounds is still even a lot. So four kilos, 2.2, 8.8. Even then, it, I feel it's like so much weight. Like... Imagine those guys that were fighting Mima that were fucking doing that. Like in Mima, you couldn't really cut much because they have that tournament structure. So you fight the, potentially three weeks later. But see, that's the thing. People do cut. Oh, they so still were. My friend Jace, one of my students who had like a eight-second knockout in one warrior series, fastest knockout in one warrior. Jace, what's his last name? Jace Law. Jace Law. He's yeah, a, I follow him on Instagram or JKO. Shout out to my boy. Jace. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, he starts that dude. Man, I saw that fight. Jace has got some crazy hands, but man, he was just like Jack, dude, man kid is jack yeah he, it, it's weird because like he just does a lot of like like he lifts weights like he lifts weights and he trains a lot so i feel like that's the one thing that he does is like when i was there at, in sarawak i was like man you guys have to lift weights they're like oh we're doing kettlebell i'm like man you guys you strength and conditioning program I'm, right i'm just like yeah man fuck you gotta lift like man you're not fighting now in the summer you got six months till you're fighting lift to get strong yeah so he did like west side barbell style stuff you know like Mass. Actually, yeah, we're looking to lift big. So Jace lifts, and he just he just gets big, man. And got those jeans. Yeah, man. And but like he he was like, man, he fucking hated fighting Amima because he would cut from seventy six kilos and fight at seventy, and he had to do that every month. Yeah, that's so, tough. Yeah, and he's just like, man, it's bullshit. Like I'm like, bro, it is what it is. But at least it keeps him somewhat close to the fight weight. If it had been like three or four months later, he might have ballooned up in between, and then even worse, kind of like Ev, and then. <sighs> Man, when Ev, when Ev was not even signed, like when, he, when, when Legend went under and we were trying to get him in one, man, he was like 85, 84 kilos. He was walking around. Like, Big boy. It, like, he's like 5'8 or something like that. That guy can eat like a, no other. <laughs> bro, that guy Ev Ting can eat. Now, let's, speaking of one, I kind of like want to get back into one a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's do it, man. Um, like, what do you think of that Daggy Christian Lee fight? Uh, we, we broke that down. I broke it down twice, actually, with Steven and with Ron. Oh, shit. I think Daggy wins the fight, to be honest. Because uh, Christian, it depends. I think Christian stands a good chance of winning in the first round because he loves to blitz people, right? But he has trouble as time goes on uh, in the fight. And uh, Daggy's tough as fuck. And kudos to Christian for taking the fight because he's the champ. He didn't need to do that uh, to just jump into the lightweight tournament. But it's, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say because Christian Lee is talented. He's young. He's only going to get better. It just sort of depends on how he peaks and if he can relax more in fights because he comes out like a fucking bat out of hell in that first round and he gets a lot of first round finishes but then you see if he fights someone like martin he has a tough can't put him away as the fight progresses on well who struggles the, the only guy to beat christian lee on the feet was keanu mm. did you see that fight i did yeah man man keanu Keanu's smooth too that's the good thing yeah. about him. he doesn't fucking force stuff yeah. he's smooth he's really I saw when he fought uh, he fought an old coach of mine uh, Almiro evolved yeah. coach he fought him beat him looks smooth man yeah. just buttery smooth he's not forcing anything he's not tense and tight and um, 
but like, I don't understand, like, this is my personal, like, people like harp so much on like Christian and Angela Lee, like, oh, they're not Singaporean and stuff. Dude, shut the fuck up. Like, who gives a rat's ass? The problem isn't that. The problem is that Evolve markets them as Singaporean. Okay. That's the issue. It's not them. No, no. They're just 100 right? 100%. Even how you market them. Like, what is having them having to be where they're from have to do with their skill set? Like, Chris, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Christian Lee is phenomenal. He's a beast, dude. Like, he is. When you look at, like, prospects. Old, oh, fuck. Prospects in the world. Both of them. Yeah. Both of them. Man, both these guys are phenomenal. Now, I don't think both of them are the best in that division in one. Mm. But... They're, man, fuck, like, Christian Lee just, how, how can you not have respect for that guy, like that kid? He's so young, so talented, and I have said this over and over again, if Christian Lee lands in the first minute, he'll put Daggy away. Dude, if he, the first round, Daggy's got to watch out. He'll I mean, put him he, away. For sure, anybody in one, anybody, I don't care if you're Eddie Alvarez, Edward Fuleon, any of those guys, in the first round, Christian Lee is fucking dangerous. And the other thing is, is if you watch Daggy when he fought Timothy. And Angela Lee, too, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but. She how locks on you, a sub. Like, how can you not? She is fucking fierce, man. The scrambles, those two fights with Mei Yamaguchi, like, that is entertaining <laughs> shit, man. She is a dog, dude. Like, I don't know how you can't give them props. Yeah, I don't understand, like, like the amount of, like, oh. And then, like, people celebrate when they lose. Like, I don't like this, like, It's attitude. the evolved marketing yeah. machine. That's the only reason that people Everyone's do Everyone's like, oh, yeah, the real Singaporean. Man, shut yeah. the fuck up. What are you doing? Exactly. You're commenting from your couch. Shut the fuck up. But that, that's the only reason that people shit talk yeah, them. It's sorry. just because Evolve goes on about them being Singaporean and Singaporean and Singaporean. The locals get annoyed. I wish they would just call them like they are, and then it wouldn't be an issue. With they it. fucking train in Hawaii. I know. Man, how many good fighters come from Hawaii? So many. I mean, speaking of, in my opinion, the best fighter in 1FC is, is Hawaiian. Who? Is Lowen Tynanis. Uh, he pulled out. That's unfortunate. Well, he got That lightweight Grand Prix <laughs> ended up being kind of a bummer. Because they just got plagued with injury bugs. They yeah. tried to finish everything for the New Year's show. And then in that time, Lowen had to pull out. Well, did you uh, see what Eddie happened? Alvarez had to pull out. Like, Lowen Tynanis got diagnosed with the autoimmune disease. Is that what it was? One that attacks his joints. Oh, God. Yeah, so, I mean, prayers to that guy. Talk about, like, man, this guy in his second pro fight went and fought Edward Falayong and absolutely massacred him. Yeah, he's, a, he's a huge prospect, too, man. Oh, He's a, he's a God. huge prospect. I cornered him when he fought Vusi Colossa. That's still one of the best fights I think I've ever seen live. Man, it was, it was nuts. Like, Vusi, if you don't know, is, like, an amazing Muay Thai guy. And it's, like, Lowen's third pro fight. Because Lowen beat Amir in the first round, right? Amir Khan. No, he beat Hanario. Oh, he beat Hanario. Who did – who beat – oh, it was Doggy. It was a Doggy that beat No, Doggy beat Ev. Fuck, who the hell beat Amir? Ariel Sexton. He had to pull oh, out, too. That's the other one. That was the other one that pulled Man, but every, out. That, that Grand Prix was so cool because, like, everyone could beat everyone, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that was a great. But the problem is when you have a, a goal in mind and people fall out, you can't rebook stuff because everybody got injured and they want to finish it by that end-of-the-year show or whatever the fuck it is. Well, I mean, they did the right thing. It's like, okay, when Lowen had to pull out, who do you who do you – got to put Benario into fight because mm -hmm. that was his opponent that he beat. Yeah. So, I mean, like – even that doesn't look like the good thing to do or whatever. That's what you got to do. I mean, they stuff good people back in there, but you kind of just wish that it, it developed. That they could have, yeah, because even Christian Lee, right? He's jumping into the finals and he didn't fight anybody throughout the tournament. It's not his fault. <laughs> and again, I wish they would just. I wish they would have just. <coughs> honestly, like if I was Chatri, I would have given Doggy the belt, and when they face off, you got the Grand Prix winner versus the One FC lightweight champion. Yeah, and you fight for an undisputed title at One FC One Hundred. I think it just looks better. I think. 
Yeah, if just he, make it a title fight now. Well, that, and it's also like you don't want to celebrate Christian Lee getting the Grand Prix belt when you didn't, didn't go through the tournament. The Grand Prix. Yeah. Like, Especially with the guys that were in that fight. Yeah, tournament. I mean, it's kind of disrespectful. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. Eddie Alvarez, Daggy, Timothy. Timothy's another. Ariel I mean, Sexton. I mean, yeah, FT. I mean, you want to talk about off, prospects? Uh, how about Timothy Nastukin, man? I mean, that guy's a fucking savage. He beat Amir. He beat uh, Eddie Alvarez in the first round. Fucking starched him, dude. Yeah, the thing with Timothy is, is like, I feel like. Like, he'll have trouble with guys on the ground. Like, when he fought Herbert Burns, Herbert subbed him in, like, one minute. Yeah. But Timothy's a killer. Like, if he lands any of his hands, you're going to sleep. Yeah, and those uh, – but that submission defense, he'll improve that for sure. Yeah, I mean, and Herbert Burns is a world-class guy. Yeah, like, for sure. No, I've trained with Herbert. Yeah, he's a – Fuck fu- my life his, How up, good dude. is his nogi? Oh, <laughs> oh my, my God. God. He fucked his wrestling my is phenomenal. Up. He's uh, He actually competed against one of my old coaches. Italo Linz is one of my old coaches. He's a – EDCC trials winner. He's like, you can look him up on BJJ Heroes. He's one of my old coaches in Singapore. And they competed in Gi and Nogi, and they both have beat each other. And if you beat Italo in Jiu-Jitsu, you're a fucking master. Yeah. So, And I, I rolled with him when I used to train at Evolve. Fucked my life up. Yeah. He is a beast, man. For now he's sure. fighting in uh, one of, uh, UFC. Yeah, he got on the Dana White Contender Series mm-hmm. and ended up winning. And his brother, Gilbert Burns, just beat uh, Gunnar Nelson. Yeah. Another fucking jujitsu savage. The Burnses are beasts, man. Yeah, how about uh, what's his face? Adolfo Vera. Yeah, he's hey, another one. Wow. Another GF team guy. Adolfo. He's going to have some tough fights coming up pretty soon, though. He's that middleweight. Yeah. He's going to have to see how those hands develop. Yeah, man. It's MMA is so, so, so lit right now, dude. Yeah, it's so, there's so much stuff going on. And, like, that's the thing is, like, man, in my, in my opinion, like, like, Chachi is a genius. Like, he went out and he got. There was no market for, like, the world's best kickboxers. Oh, yeah. The best thing one ever did was just say, fuck the rules, fuck the gloves, fuck whatever style. Like, we'll do every fight. We'll put them in a ring. We'll have different gloves. We don't give a shit. We'll just do whatever. How exciting is the one warrior stuff with, like, the small gloves? Oh, I know. Or or the, the Grand Prix? The fuck, man. They're bringing these ties in who nobody knows, these Lumpini champions, and having them fight. Rod Tang. Rod Tang, man. Oh, my God. That fight. And how about Jonathan Haggerty? That guy is a fucking killer. Who was it? Liam Harrison had a fucking amazing fight with the Thai guy. Yeah, he lost uh, just a couple months ago to one of the Thais. Yeah, but that did you see that fight? Yeah, I saw it. I saw oh, it. my God. Yeah, dude. Bro, Liam like almost kicked this guy's leg off, and yeah. he just like smiled at him. Yeah. And, like, hey, but Rotang in that fight with Jonathan Haggerty, man. Yeah, that was a sick fight. Dude, he was teeping him. He was staying long. And then, like, second round, Rotang was like, I don't give a fuck. He started wading through those teeps and just going like Mike Tyson, dude. Like, he was throwing boxing hand combinations, a tie. And then I found out after he beat Haggerty, he fought again in Lupini, like, a month yes, later. Yeah. And then he came back, and he's fighting again next week or next two weeks or so, something like that. He fought, I think it was the, I don't know if, I don't, I don't know if I'm right or not, but I want to say it's, like, the Roger Dunham Stadium title. And it was, like, it was supposed to, it was a, a crazy fight. And he still won. Like, the guy's a savage. And these ties don't give a fuck. They'll fight every month. Like, they're used to it. So. Yeah, and it's also, like, man. Yeah, like, the one warrior stuff is amazing. Like, the, the Grand Prix with the guy, like, actually not winning the fight. Yeah. And, like, Giorgio nah, Petrosian. I like, kind of talked shit about that in the last podcast. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's like. Because do, do you think that should have been overturned? You okay. Pet should have advanced? Let me ask you. Okay. <laughs> If we bet on this fight, and I'm going to take my friend John Nutt's analogy here. If we bet on this John fight. John Nutt, hilarious, by the way. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. He, we do the Mima shows together. I'd love to get him on the podcast. He's so funny. He, he was the commentator and stuff when I fought and yeah, a bunch of different shows. He's fucking nuts. His last name is yeah, he's, he's insane. Yeah. <laughs> he's literally insane. He's an amazing guy, though. And so 
we, we always, me and John will always talk about this. So let's say we're gambling. You have a thousand dollars on Petch, what was it, Petch, Petch Morikai? Petch Morikai, yeah. And I have a thousand dollars on Giorgio Petrosian. Whose hand did they raise first, Petch, Petch Morikai? Yeah. You give, you, I give you a thousand dollars. When they overturn, are you going to give me my thousand dollars back? Yeah, I know. No, of course not. Yeah, of course not. So I mean, like, at the end of the day, I was just happy that we got to see both of them fight again. But I also feel bad because. Man, a million dollars for the winner? Yeah. If you fucking make that and you're in I Thailand, dude, I heard it's they life-changing. Paid, I heard they paid Pet Morcott well for the rematch. but it's They like, had to have. Like, but you, it's not a million U.S. dollars. It ain't a million U.S. dollars, bro. I'll tell you that right now. You know what a million U.S. dollars gets you for in Thailand? a Thai fighter? Oh, my God. Dude, it makes you like, whew. Yeah, I don't think they should have overturned that. I no, think no, no. I, I agree Pet, with you. Petch Morcott should have advanced, and then after the fight, they do a rematch or whatever. But that's why I love Chachri. That guy has some fucking balls on him. Fuck, dude. He's, <laughs> like, he's like, man, you know, I saw the judging, and fuck it. It was shit. Like, I don't agree with and it. And he called it, the board of directors it, decided to like, overturn it. Oh, the board of directors called Chachri. Chachri's like, we're running this shit back. <laughs> and everyone got mad, and I was just like, man, that's dope as fuck. I mean, <laughs> Yo, imagine. <laughs> because he's a gangster bro, dealer, bro. dude, like a businessman. I know everyone hates Chachri. Like, every, a lot of people don't like him. But I have a lot of respect for the guy. I mean, he's a businessman, too. Man, look what he's he, fucking done. Yeah, like, I know. Regardless if you hate Evolve or whatever, man, that guy has built 1FC into, they say, the largest. And the, I could be drinking the Kool-Aid right now. Yeah. They could be like, oh, I the mean, there was definitely AC. some Kool-Aid there. But yeah. as time goes on, it's becoming more and more true. Bro. I watch every 1FC fight on the 1FC app. Listen, man. I dude. don't know. I don't, if there's a fight, I don't ever not tune in. Yeah. Fuck, I watch that no, shit. No, you have to give him all of the respect because, the, I mean, he, this just goes to show you the potential that existed in Asia that nobody had managed to tap into. Oh, everyone but stayed in Japan. Everyone stayed in Korea. And Chachi's like, fuck that. We're going to Southeast Asia yeah, mode. Exactly. And he's like, man, fuck. Now look, look at the fights, man. I mean. And for the people that, that are listening that don't really know, Basically, one in the big, the best thing that they ever did was decide to diversify all of their shit, right? Like, if you go to the UFC, it's MMA, it's four ounce gloves, that's it. One decided to say, fuck all of that. They're going to bring in kickboxing. They're going to bring in Muay Thai. They're going to do grappling super fights. They're going to do MMA fights. They're going to do kickboxing and MMA gloves. They're going to do MMA fights in rings. They're going to do MMA fights in a cage. They, they will just fucking do everything. And what that does is it allows them to manipulate the rule sets to make certain bouts more intriguing. Like, okay, cool. These two guys are fighting each other. Let's bring in a tie and have them fight a Western fighter. Okay, cool. Let's also have them do it in four-ounce gloves. Oh, and maybe we'll have them do it in a cage also. And you're just like... What the fuck? Like, this is amazing. So they were like, Liam Harrison, when he first fought and won, he was wearing big gloves. And I'm just like, man, I would love to see this guy. If you know who Liam Harrison is, he's probably, he's just, you watch his fights. One of the best. You're, you're excited, man. Fighters. Man, he's one of the best of all time. Yeah. And you watch this guy fight, and you're just like, man, holy shit. Four ounce gloves. Let's fucking go. And he doesn't go. give a fuck at all. Take my fucking money <laughs> right now. Man, I was like. I know, like, when one initially said they were going to TNT, people were saying that the one app would cost, like, money to download. Motherfucker, I'll walk my ass to 7-Eleven, get an iTunes gift card, and pay for that shit. Yeah, it was $5, man, $5, $1, fuck. fuck. Why would you not buy it? Yeah. It's free fights, man, and, like, high-level fights. And in our area, there are probably people you know. And it's on YouTube as well. Right. It's on YouTube it's, as well. Yeah, they just post it on man, fucking YouTube. Fuck, it's... It's great. And, like, the, the card coming up has some really good fights. I mean, it's like six hours of insane fights back, to, like, 
back to back. Look what Chachi did. He got Shuto and Pancrase, who are rival promotions in Japan, the longest running promotions in Japan, and their champions are fucking fighting in each one. other in one. I know. How fucking mental is that? And you want to know another stroke of genius on Chachi? He's also investing in esports. Have you seen this? Man. The one uh, yeah, Dota. They're doing a Dota thing. I mean, listen, esports is going to become one of the most lucrative sports, if you use that word. One of the most lucrative. More people watch fucking the Dota finals than the goddamn World Cup or whatever the fuck it was, yeah, like the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was fucking Imagine nuts. in 10 years. I mean, that guy is thinking ahead because investing all of that time into one. And he doesn't give a shit about video games, but he sees the potential that exists and he's like okay i'm gonna invest my time and my energy in this so now we have one championship fighting you have the one super series you've got the k or not the k1 the the grand prix then you have the one <coughs> fucking esports shit that they're starting to push heavily i would love to see chatri do one championship boxing mm. one championship they did one fight yeah they did one fight they did one but like kind of how pbc well because pacquiao is an investor right well, that, and just because, like, PBC does in the U.S. So you got all these different boxing organizations that, like, governing bodies that you have to fight for those belts. But as a company, you can just bring those fights in. And I think, like, man, if you got, like, imagine you bring in some, like, high-level, like, talent, like, just for boxing. From the Philippines or from Thailand or, just or from, from fucking anywhere, man. Yeah. Like, man, I, I think, like... It, that would be the next move if I was him. Or even a jiu-jitsu competition in a fucking cage. Well, they did do... They, they did a little bit. Super fights. But I'm talking no, no, like... No, no, they did. Make it the one world championships at fucking... They did one grappling challenge in Macau. They did this before. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. They did the one grappling challenge. Well, that was, uh, that was when Angela fought Michelle Nicolini, yes. right? In that, and yeah, yeah Bruninho fought Aoki. And they did that once. And the, the thing is, is like, I mean, if I was Chatri and I saw jiu-jitsu, I, I think jiu-jitsu is good, but like... It's not as much money in that, I well, would the, say. Not, not as wide a group of people are going to like watch jiu mm. Now, if you do like ADCC style in the cage. Yeah, once a year, dude. And you just, awesome. just you put on some. Just do like, man, this is the thing with jiu-jitsu. An open weight jiu-jitsu tournament. You Fuck can it. do it all in one 10, fucking night. 10,000 U.S. to win. You can, no, 10,000 probably. Fucking 100,000. Dude, 10,000 U.S. and the jiu-jitsu competitor is going to fly in. Like, <laughs> that's big money for jiu-jitsu. You jiu can do like Bouchesha, Gordon Ryan, um, Felipe Pena, Andre Galvo. Um, JT Torres. I mean, yeah, put 50K on the line. You put 50,000 US on the line, and you do it one night. Fuck, yeah. you could do that in between every fight you do. Fucking. Yeah, exactly. 10 minutes. Fuck, doom. Man, I think, like, the thing is with, like, jujitsu is he's probably just like, man, I have to do with all these jujitsu, like, guys in the gym, and I'm just like, fucking can't handle this. Yeah, shit, you know? no, I had a. I heard a probably, did you want to hear a story? Like, he's probably like, Josh, he's like, man, uh, do I want to do jujitsu? And then he goes back, he's like, man, I got to deal with all these fuckers out here. Oh, fuck this. Like, Dude, I'll, I'll tell you a hilarious <laughs> story, right? So I was, uh, <coughs> so I was, you know, we, we're at Horse City, and there's a Brazilian churrasco just down the road. You know what churrasco is? It's like that Brazilian place. Steakhouse. They just bring yeah. you the meat. Unlimited meat, right? Yes. You just pay 50 bucks or whatever, and they don't stop until you're fucking dead, full of meat, and fucking farting, awesome. stinky meat, meat farts, right? <laughs> yeah, until you can't walk. And uh, so they brought Buchecha in to do a seminar at Evolve. And, uh, you know, they often go there because it's the Brazilian place and they know the, all the owners and shit are Brazilian. So they bring the Brazilians in and they go there. And uh, one of my business partners is fucking hilarious, right? He has a video of his son who at the time was like four or five years old. He trains jujitsu with me. They have a video of his son just talking shit to Buchecha and he recorded it. And he's and the dad's egging him on. He's like, he's like, what are you going to tell Buchecha when he sees He's like, oh, I'm going to tap you out. I'm going to beat you one day. I'm going to come in five years old just talking shit to Buchecha. And he recorded it. This was years ago. 
So they found out that Buchecha was going to be at the Churrasco. So um, my business partner goes, and they take his son. They're like, okay, we're going to go meet him and show him this video. It'll be hilarious, right? Because now he's like six or something. Yeah. Like, look at this video of my son. He trains jiu-jitsu over here at Stronghold. And uh, they told me that Chachri and like 30 people were there because after the seminar, they were going to go and have this big thing there. And Chachri was there with his wife and all these people. And fucking Buchecha was like an hour and a half late going to this meeting. And Zozo, my business partner, is sitting there trying to talk with his son. Uh, to wait for him and he said that like everybody just looks so pissed like you don't make Chachri wait a fucking hour and a half on your ass while his wife was there all these people were there an hour and a half they made him wait just that Brazilian shit right fuck <laughs> man and it's just like and they must have been paying him bank bro and then to just sit there for like an hour and a half while you wait for this dude to show up in Singapore like punctuality just, is huge here I mean, right? it's just disrespectful yeah. like I mean I, I know I don't know what happens especially I mean. the pay that they would have been given this guy they would have flown him in they would have I mean yeah for sure given but, him a cut of the seminars like let, and then to make him wait an hour and a half a guy that's got a lot of shit to do <laughs> how good is it that like Gordon Ryan won the ADCC he looked like a fucking savage dude like yeah um, it it's just interesting, like, what jujitsu is, like, this is the thing, like, I divulge into a lot. It's, like, Raul teaches BJJ at Juggernaut, and he's, he's a purple belt, but I think he's brown. He's going to get his brown soon, but he's good. Mm. Like, yeah, I've rolled with him. He's, he's good. He's well-talented, well but, like, you get these guys that hire BJJ coaches to teach MMA, and it's just, like, what the fuck yeah. are you fucking doing, bro? Like, a BJJ black belt does not make you an MMA coach. Yeah. You gotta have some type of grapple like wrestling experience. Yeah, exactly. It's like could not agree more. Some guys are just like they're unbelievable in the gi. And I'm not disrespect. I love jujitsu. I love no gi grappling. I fuck it. The gi is fun, but I feel like sometimes people use the gi as like, Oh, I don't want to roll no gi because like I only roll gi. Like, fuck off, man. Yeah, like yeah. get the fuck out of here. Nope. I actually think it's one of the and you've seen this over and over again with the Evolve guys. It's a stylistic weakness that I think that they have at Evolve. I mean, I trained there for two years. Is that the two styles there are Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai. I mean, they brought, like, uh, Heath Sims used to work at Evolve. And actually, he still I, does. He's awesome. He, he I, I had came a, back. I, oh, did he? He's, Heath is back now. But even still, they, they have some weaknesses in their style because almost all of their MMA fighters are Thai and Jiu-Jitsu. And what happens is the kicking game is different in MMA than it is in, or in Muay Thai. And the grappling game is different in the gi than it is in no gi and in wrestling. Oh, and even when they had Heath there, I mean, I sat, we invited him to Thanksgiving dinner one time with, like, some friends, and he fucking turned up. He was Awesome, man. Like, he's a really, really cool Bro, guy. Heath is one of the nicest guys ever, too. But, wow. that, but there is a stylistic weakness there. You can't kick the same way when the wrestling is involved. You can't. So the kicking is different. And then also the grappling. Like, you just can't play guard. If you're even like Angela, right? She's got that jujitsu grappling style. She's scrambly. She has good clinch, clinching, but she really doesn't shoot. Well, let's just be honest. There's a big, dis there's a big disparity gap between women's MMA and men's MMA mm -hmm. when it comes to the actual level of it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's getting there. It's yeah, growing. It, oh, it's but growing. for sure, there's a huge, huge like, disparity. No question. Man, it's like back in the day, you could pull guard at MMA and finish people. Like, Angela's kind of doing that still now. Mm. Man, you can't do that at MMA. Like, you can't do that at men's MMA. Well, you see, for example, a great example of this, right? Like, Angela Lee, when she fought Michelle Nicolini, and then look at Michelle when she fought Tiffany Teo. Yeah. Because Angela was willing... I mean, she had a terrible... I'm sorry. She had a terrible game plan going into that fight. It's like she was getting into the jujitsu scenarios with Michelle. Why are you doing that? Wrestle. Like she would sweep her, get on top, and then she would go right back into the guard. 
Like, why are you playing that game with, with Michelle Nicolini? But then you see Tiffany Cho, she stays long. She uses her wrestling. She uses her length. Yeah. And she uses her sprawl and brawl. And when she's on top, she'll stay in the conservative positions. But she'll back out if she needs to. And you would see Angela would finally have success. Like, she spent most of the time in uh, Michelle's closed guard. Why are you playing closed guard with Michelle Nicolini? Get the fuck out of there when you have a chance to stand up and back out. Stand up and back out. Don't play with that style. It's a disaster waiting to happen. She can beat her in MMA-specific areas, but you're going to go into the closed guard of a world champion. Like, she opened the guard. She managed to get and she dived back in. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a terrible... Maybe she was trying to prove something because the build-up to that fight was all just... Michelle Nicolini submitted her. Da, 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 da. And it was just but like, then she played that game. And then, yeah, she lost. I mean... Why are you playing that game? And then you see in the third round, she started to have some success because she was doing more MMA-style grappling. Yeah, man. But, uh, you know, she had dug herself too big of a hole at that point, and you're just like, God, you just wish she had had a better game plan because she, she could win that fight, and I think if they fight again, she will win. But that was just, uh, I think that was a poor game plan because I think she has the skill set to beat Michelle for sure. I think, I think the, I think. When and we, Tiffany had the right game plan to when she, when she fought her. I think Tiffany versus Angela would be interesting. Yeah, me too. Because I think. Tiffany will, will play an MMA fight. You know, she'll, she'll try to sprawl and brawl and use her weight and use her wrestling. And with, she's not going to engage in that kind of jujitsu-specific stuff. That With that being said, she's got no shot at being Zhang Jinan. She got no shot at being the Angela or Tiffany? Tiffany? Got no chance. I mean, her striking is just fucking devastating. I was watching the she fight. She hits like, bro, she hits like a man. No, she backs people. Like, I, you, you watch Angela and her fight. Angela's striking is... To usually set up her scrambles and her grappling, but she couldn't back Panda up. Like when when Panda was landing shots, you could see that they were backing Angela up. Like they were they were showstoppers. Whereas Angela's more functional, yeah. right? She's poking you. She's yeah. she's touching you up to try to transition and get into scrambles and submit you. But Zhang Jingnan, when she hit the, she fucking backed her up, and you just see that liver sh- uh, liver shot. Yeah. Was it kick? Yeah. Liver kick? Or I can't well, remember if it was a punch or a. Punch. But the liver shot. Yeah, whatever, whatever it hit her with. Whatever it was. Oh, dude. And she, she saw in that fourth round, she hit it and she saw it and she just went after it, man. And I've heard stories that Jingnan has literally not finished an opponent to piss her manager off on purpose. <laughs> what? Yeah, ex-manager. Really? I've, heard, I've heard this story from a very credible source that she, ha- she literally didn't finish a fight to piss her ex-manager off and then went out in the second round and knocked the girl out. Oh, my God. Man, she's such a – man, she, well, you want to talk about women's MMA? How about the Chinese fighters? Now you have uh, Zhang Weili, who's the UFC champion now, and then you have Zhang Jingnan, the uh, one championship. The Chinese women, they're the ones that are coming to the forefront of Chinese martial art, of MMA, more so than even the men. Well, I mean, I'm going to be honest. It's just like when you look at that division of women's MMA, the one Zhang Weili one, mm. man, I don't think anyone beats Tatiana Suarez. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't disagree with you. I think, she's, I think she's the next champ. A, oh, my God. She's so tall. That and wrestling, long, that and her wrestling, wrestling is phenomenal. Jesus. But, dude, that division is fucking interesting now. Between Joanna and Andrade and John Wei Lee and Rose. I mean, dude, remember Dana White talking shit like for what we're saying about the women's MMA not it's being the developed? Best, it's the best women's weight class, in it's my opinion. It's fucking good, it's dude. It's fucking good. All the 135-pound women are old now. Like, well, and then Amanda Nunes is just destroying everybody, making it look easy. I like. I think her and J- Jermaine Durandamy is going to be closer than people think. I think so too. Stylistic, man. Jermaine Durandamy is huge. You see her knock out that girl in the last fight. You see her knock out that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that shit? Man, that's crazy. And like, I, everyone just kind of shits on her because she didn't want to fight Cyborg, but that's you know she she won the UFC title and then vacated without a single defense because yeah. she wouldn't want to. So people kind of shit on her, but I totally agree with you. She's a live dog in that fight with Amanda Nunes. Yeah, like, 
If I'm a betting man, I'm putting money on Jermaine Durand. Dude, her right hand, she's got a piston of a right cross, dude. And it's just also like the, the fall from grace for Cyborg. Yeah. Oh, my God. First of all, you lose in 40 seconds. And then you don't want to rematch and you leave. I can't. How can you call yourself the baddest woman in the world anymore? You can't. You lose that title. It's gone for good. I can't make heads of tails whether she wanted the rematch or not. It's because Dana says she didn't, and then she says she does, and then at the end of the day, she has to say yes. Like, like if Dana White is willing to put on the fight, no matter what the numbers are or whatever. I feel like Dana would put the fight on. Oh, one hundred percent. He's a promoter. Like all he wants to do is sell fights, and I feel like if well, the other thing is who wouldn't want to see that rematch? Yeah, I would. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So as a promoter, Dana White's probably like licking his chops. And I bet Cyborg wanted a lot more than what they were offering. But at the end of the day, they probably she probably wanted more than Amanda Nunes is getting. And they're well, like, dude, fuck you. You're She's not just the, the champ. champ. Yeah. You're not the champ anymore. And it is what it is. But, I mean. Now she's going to go fight Bellator or something like that. Yeah, she's give, fighting Bellator. Give I mean, her a bunch of cans or at something. At the end of the day, who gives a fuck, right? I mean, Amanda Nunes is the GOAT now, no matter yeah. what. Like, Cyborg had to get that fight to keep her status, right? Like, she, for her legacy, she needed that. Because now Amanda win. Nunes yeah. is universally the GOAT of female MMA. Until she loses. I mean, yeah. her and Shevchenko had two close fights, yeah. split decisions. But I thought Shevchenko actually won the second fight. Yeah. Tough fight to call. I don't know. It was, it was, I mean, either person. Yeah. You, can, you can make an argument for either person. And then uh, let's. Well, she's another uh, Phuket, no, Tiger Muay Thai. Yeah, she's 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 nice, good good fighter, good stand, crazy stand up. Yeah, very great man. Her Tough last knockout was oh my unbelievable. God. That shit sounded like it sounded like snapping a baseball bat in oh, half. She hit her with like the good old fashioned go low go high, like shin bone to the head. Yeah, oh my god. It seriously sounded like the sound of like taking a bat and cracking it in half with right? your knee. <laughs> so vicious. So let's say we got. The one championship fight's coming up, and the UFC. What, what UFC fight are you looking forward to the most? Well, I was looking forward to the the Adesanya Whitaker fight. I did end up looking out because I couldn't wait. Everybody was talking shit. It was all over the group chats. I saw that Adesanya won that fight. Uh, I was really looking forward to that one. Now moving up to the end of the year, uh, Colby Usman. Let's go! <laughs> let's go! Dude, I'm MAGA all the way. No, I'm just kidding. Drama, big drama show. Uh, I don't know, man. I think I think Usman wins because. They have, they have a similar style, but I think Usman's got more stopping power in his hands. I don't know. Like, I think Usman wins too, but like, I would love to see Kobe gets a bad win. rap. I would just like to see him win. Just oh, it's the drama. It will be insane, dude. He will call George Masfoot all out, bro. Yeah, that like, would be a sick fight. If Colby Covington wins. Man, Usman needs to retire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, all that you'll, never, you'll never live it down, and like, you'll never get a shot back. Yeah. Like, hard to, yeah. Well, what about, um, so you have the Colby. Holloway, Vol- Volkanovski. I think Volkanovski wins that fight, man. And then a better one, I think, Jorge Masvidal Nate Diaz, dude. Yes. The BMF title. I want to see what it looks like. I'm like, I know. I want to see. So, it. like, like ready to see Dana White just come out and be like, here it is. And The Rock is presenting it. I know. That'd be cool, man. <laughs> they never created, like, a secondary. Dude, he went WWE on the UFC. Just like, yeah, we're going to fucking do this shit. And I'm like, I'm down with it, man. Like, yeah, let's fuck yeah, do dude. it. It just increases the intrigue. Like, Jorge Masvidal is flying high right now. Nate Diaz is just gangster as fuck. I think Masvidal wins that fight. I, I think Diaz wins. I, I think he's bigger. I think he uses his length a bit better. Yeah, but Masvidal just got crazy stopping power. In yeah, that's true. Man, but, Diaz doesn't, but Diaz doesn't get stopped almost ever, except a head kick by uh, Josh, Thompson. Josh Thompson. Josh Thompson's a fucking... Man, he's one of the guys that I've always said was underrated. Yeah, he I w- thought he beat Benson Henderson. In there were fight. points in his life, I think, where he was the best lightweight in the world. 
Yeah. He had remember when he beat Gilbert Melendez. Probably at that point you could make an argument that he was the best lightweight in the world. Yeah. I, I think Masvidal wins. I just man. You think he finishes him? Yeah. Really? TKOs. Shit, man. That's a bold bold prediction. Man, Masvidal has so many fights against yeah. so many high level guys. Yeah, that's true. And he's got And the, even every time he loses, barely. It's like split decisions. He's got like six split decision losses at lightweight. I know, I know. Like what? Crazy. Yeah, he has bad luck when it comes to those decisions, man. I don't know why. Then, like, the other thing is, like, okay, let's, let's talk, like, just UFC best division. Where is it at? Lightweight, obviously. I could, have, could make an argument middleweight, I think, now. Historic, can, historically, can, can you, though? Historically, it's lightweight. Let, let's look at lightweight, who you got. Top, let's look at the middleweight, top five, who you got. You have Adesanya, Adesanya Whitaker, Whitaker, Costa, Costa Yoel Romero, Romero, and Gastelum. Sure. But you could have thrown Weidman and Luke Rockle back in the day. You could well, have thrown them in Yeah, there. Weidman's – I think – and that's the weird thing is, like, I thought Weidman should have went up and wait after he lost to Rockle. He cut so much weight. Yeah. He's a big – man, he used to wrestle at 197. Yeah. Man, he beat Phil Davis in wrestling. Really? Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. shit. Man, Weidman was a killer at And his school. grappling is just fucking insane, man. Whoa. But then you see Luke Rockle mount him and smash him like that, and then you realize how good Luke Rockle did. He looks pretty bad lately, but – Man, yeah, I think he just fights retarded. Like, but yeah, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say middleweight or lightweight. So, you, what do you think about lightweight? So we got lightweight. Who we got? We got Khabib, Ferguson. Dude, I cannot wait. Gaethje. I know. Yeah. Um. Poirier. Po- yeah, I've always been hit or miss with Dustin. He never comes through in the big fights. With Except the Holloway. Holloway. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought that fight was closer than the judges' court. I, I didn't thought it was see closer. Forty nine, forty six. Me too. But I definitely thought Poirier won. Yeah. I don't know. I thought I thought I thought Holloway won the last three rounds. Though. Really? I just think just in terms of damage. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because I think you can make an argument that Holloway touched him more. Yeah, for sure. But the the difference in the the effect that the punches and kicks had, I think, was the difference maker. Poirier clearly had more stopping power. I yeah. thought. Oh no, one hundred percent. And then um, who else is that lightweight? Man, I'm telling. It's in Barboza. Ally Quinta, Dan Hooker, Dan Hooker who's who, did he win? I didn't see the result of that. Yeah, he won the decision. Oh. He looked phenomenal, dude. But I mean, he's tough as fuck. I'm telling dude. everybody, and I will go on record first. The toughest guy at lightweight is Gregor Gillespie. He's fighting Kevin Lee. His fucking takedowns, dude. He is. He's like Khabib, man. He is relentless. I watched that last fight of his. NCAA wrestling champion. Oh my god, he chains wrestling together unlike who, anybody except who is Khabib. The NCAA champion in the. Nowadays, wrestling. Uh, well, I mean, there were several like Khabib and Koscheck, or not Khabib, um, Phil Davis, who you were just talking about. But nowadays, I don't know if there's oh, any champions. Gregor Gillespie. Did, was he? Did he win? No, he's fighting Kevin Lee. On the no, no, I mean, did he win the national title? Yeah. Okay. He won at Edinburgh. Oh, uh, okay. Man, which is the same place Koscheck wrestled at. Yeah. He, <sighs> Gillespie is an absolute freak, and he does not stop chain wrestling. He is just, just always you on you. Gregor Gillespie, you follow him, Gregor the Gift, on Instagram. Look at his look at his strength and conditioning videos. Oh, my God. It's insane. Like, what the fuck? Well, for him to wrestle like that, I mean, I can't remember who he fought in his last fight. I watched it. But he it was, was just. Um, the Hawaiian guy. Um, oh, uh, what, Yancey Madero. Yes. That, yeah. Bro, he just. He, he, imagine him and Khabib, dude. Bro, he's fighting Kevin Lee next, which is a good fight. Because yeah, Kevin Lee's a like pretty good wrestler. Yeah. But, man. But his striking remains a complete mystery. Other than volume. Do you have to strike? Like, look at Khabib. No, I don't. Shit. You don't? And I think Gregor is a better wrestler than Khabib. And it's like, man, like, the thing I've always said is But Khabib's probably a better striker. Yeah, I think so. And probably a better finisher in terms of submissions. 
McGregor's on a five fight but, winning streak. But he just finishes. He finished. Did he? He didn't finish Medeiros. Yeah, he did. Did Second he? Round TKO huh? Or I thought submission. he. I thought he decisioned him. No, no, no. I can't remember. No, Gregor's got have like five stoppages. I mean, the there's game. no question he's a fucking Man, savage. Man, it's so funny. They're like, Dan Hooker, who do you want to fight next? Like before this fight in the top ten, who doesn't have a fight? And they're like, um, I think they were like Cowboy, Iaquinta, and Gillespie. Man, you don't want to fight Gregor or Gillespie. No, that is some momentum. That's not a good fight. That's one of those fights. Like, there's a few people you no one wants to fight. Tony Ferguson, Gregor Gillespie, only because they're fucking mentally insane. Like, you can't fight crazy, right? And these people are so fucking crazy that best-case scenario, even if you win, you are in for some hell on earth when you're in there, dude. Like The best fight that could be made in MMA right now, like, not for belts, just for, like, viewership, is Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson. Oh, my God. The pandemonium, that, dude. That's the best fight you can make in MMA right now. That's pandemonium, can dude. You make, honestly, can you make a better fight? That's up there, dude, for it, sure. It, There's no question that that's one of the most insane fights ever. I mean, if I'm looking at like... What about Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson? That would be another one where it would be like... Yeah, but... Just dogs, dude. Two dogs just fucking killing each other. No quit in them. Like, you may win the battle. Like, sometimes the Diaz brothers get decisioned and shit. But even when they decision you, they're going to flip you. If you beat them, they're going to flip you off, say fuck you. And they're like, they want to go 10 more rounds. Have you seen that that meme of Tony Ferguson and the guys that he fight? They all get fucked up. Yeah. They're all like blooded, bloodied up. It's horrible. Like, Even like uh, Kevin Lee, right? He on his back. He's like, I will butcher you from the bottom, and he fucking does. Like, take him down. Cool. Here's a hundred elbows he, in a triangle with his arm to the outside. Yeah, Fuck. I know. And then you see like he's got that Dars, and he's just, and he's fucking crazy. You can see when he fights that that. Look at his in- Instagram. <laughs> this motherfucker champ uh, shit only, baby. He just kicks metal poles. Like, he's just like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just like. Fuck, I I think like, I think I think Ferguson beats Khabib. Do you? Yeah, I, I think I think stylistically it's tough. It's a tough matchup for Tony Ferguson. I think if Ferguson, I hope he does. I think honest. if Ferguson goes forward, he needs he deserves so much more respect than he gets. Man, like he's a guy that's got fucked over in some ways it's more than anybody. Fight win streak. I know, and then won the interim title before Khabib won the title. He's a bit like Colby too, who's gotten a bad rap because he won the interim championship, never lost, and then apparently the sticking point for him fighting Usman was that he wanted championship pay, and they didn't want to give it to him. I guess they decided to give it to him afterward, but it's like, he deserves it, man. He won the interim title, never lost, fought since then. That's Dana's fault for giving Usman the title. Mm. Colby should have fought Woodley first. Yeah, for sure, because he was the interim champ. Same thing with with Tony Ferguson. Ferguson As soon as he was healthy, but as soon as he was healthy, he should have gotten the title shot. But, man, fuck, Ferguson versus Gaethje. That's Let's just fucking, fucking go. crazy, dude. Man, Gaethje has a... I mean, you want to talk about guys who can beat Khabib. Most entertaining fighter of all time. Bro, I don't want to see George St. Pierre fight Khabib. I do, but for He's a different reason. Old. He's for too a different old. He's too old. He's too old. Like, man, I want to I I see Justin Gaethje go out there and, like... The thing is... It's Justin like, Gaethje and Jorge Masvidal? Fuck. <laughs> that would be a, they're different divisions, but they fought in the oh, same division before. That, that guy Gaethje it just goes out there and fucking starches you. Yeah, he Bro, just Edson Barbosa. Even the, he gives the least amount of fucks of any person I've ever seen fight in my life. The two fights he lost because he was reckless, but he was winning those fights. Yeah, Poirier and, um, and Eddie Alvarez. Eddie, Bro, Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez couldn't even fucking walk. Yeah, he was like. Uh, uh. The problem with with Gaethje though is he he does the kickboxing style guard. He doesn't move yeah. and he blocks everything. Well, he changed so, so the he, last three fights. He's looked good. Like man, when he fought but quick Bar- finishes, it's kind of hard to tell, right? Like if you if you finish people in the first round or whatever, it's kind but of. Hard I mean, to like say. when he fought Barboza, man, he was cutting angles. He didn't go in like balls up. He kind of 
took his time, and then he feigned him with the right hand and then threw over the top and caught him. Who knocks Edson Barboza out? Like yeah, that? exactly. Fuck, he knocked him the fuck out. I mean, the last three fights, he's just looked insane. You just got to – you kind of wish he would work on his head movement because with those small gloves, if you do the shell – But does he need that just, to fight Khabib? Probably not. He not, not Khabib. Yeah. He's definitely crazy enough to – I mean – Man, to beat Khabib, you got to fight him within that inner octagon. Yeah. You fight him in the inner octagon. But I think you need footwork to beat Khabib. I agree with this, but I also think, like, the problem is with, like, Dustin, the fights that Khabib wins a lot in, you can't be on your back foot fighting a guy like that. Yeah, right? that, you that's gotta, true. you got to force him to shoot in the middle of the cage. Yeah, that's you're right about that. That's when Iaquinta right. stuffed a lot of his single legs because he forced him to shoot in the middle of the cage. Yeah, you're 100% right, I think, Man, about that. Man, you, you take a shot like that on Gregor Gillespie, you're going to take your back. Yeah. You, and the other thing is, like, Khabib, when he shoots his single leg, He'll, like, dive and run you into the cage. Man, like, even when he fought Connor, his first sh shot on Connor, he was head outside single, and Connor almost got his back. Well, that's why Connor had some success, I feel like, in that fight, particularly the third round, because he, he walked straight forward, which a lot of people criticized him for, but I think it was actually the good move. No, I agree, I agree too. But, like, the very first shot Khabib took in that Connor McGregor fight was in the center of the cage, and Connor stuffed it at first. Khabib ended up scrambling to get back on top. But when he stuffed it and he went to like he went to ride off his back, like went like tried like half crab, bro. If you if you take that shot on a, a like a Ferguson or a Gillespie or someone who can even Gate, bro, Gate, he's an All American. Yeah, yeah, he, for sure. I mean, you never see it, but yeah, I mean, do you think Connor could could beat Khabib? You think Connor could? Connor, if they have a rematch, you don't have the gas tank. Yeah, that's the, the thing. thing. The, yeah. the difference between the more money you make is equal proportional to how lo less your gas tank gets. This is the thing <laughs> with like Gaethje. Is like, bro, Gaethje has had so many five-round fights. Or Tony Ferguson. Yeah, Ferguson as well. But, man, Gaethje in World Series of Fighting, he had so many five-rounders. Like, he had, like, four or five five-round fights, and he would finish them in the fourth round or whatever. But he was never gassed. Yeah. He has that gas tank. Him and Ferguson, and that's where I see Khabib losing is in the championship rounds against the guy. And historically, in the, I mean, compared to the earlier parts, he does fade a little bit. You can't really question Khabib's cardio because he, he doesn't gas, but like anyone in the fifth round. But Tony Ferguson speeds up. The fourth round, he's going to put more pressure you in the first every time without question. You can fucking count it on your clock. Well, like, mark well, your watch to it. Did you see when Khabib, if you, if you guys want to see a good fight, look when Khabib fought um, Gleason Tebow. Yeah. He didn't take him down once. Yeah, that was his toughest fight in the UFC. That was a split decision. Yeah. And it's just like, man, why? Tebow, strong as fuck for one. And second. I mean, that guy's like 200 pounds fighting at lightweight, though. I want to talk about a guy who pisses green. Like, <laughs> Hulk green. Yeah, dude. It's Gleason Tebow and Borochina. Yeah, Gleason Tebow does gets a, doesn't get a lot of credit, but he beat Dos Anjos. He had that split decision with Khabib. Like, that guy's beat some really, really high-quality dudes. I mean, he's out of the UFC now. But, but he's another guy piss green, literally. Like, yeah, I think he did fuck. pop for steroids. Costa looks like a type that pissed, but I don't think he's ever popped for steroids. No. But. And you know that you saw it as knocking on his door a lot. He's going to fight next for the title, for sure, because they flew him out. To I, think he'll beat, I think he'll beat Adesanya. That, that, that Romero fight blew my mind. He was taking those shots. He did not give a fuck. He was walking them down. Like, I think Costa's got the right style to beat, to beat Adesanya. Like, the yeah. thing with Adesanya is, if you calculate and try and strike with him, he's going to pick you apart. Mm. With the exception of if he fights John Jones. That was the stylistic. I, I actually picked Adesanya to beat Whitaker because I thought stylistically. I think Whitaker could beat Costa. I think he, he stylistically can defeat more people in the top five than Adesanya can. But because you got those, you got Yoel, you got Costa, you got those fucking heavy-handed brutes that will put forward pressure on Adesanya, keep him on the back foot. I mean, fucking Gastelum, that fight was yeah. razor close. Because Whitaker, oh, sorry, um, Adesanya, he stays at range. If he, if you do that like Whitaker did, right, where he'll he'll play you in that long-range 
he will fuck you up. But if you can stay on him, like Romero, I think would, and like Costa would, I think those people beat Asanya for sure, or I mean, could, yeah, not for sure. It's just, it's the potential I mean, exists. Fuck. The thing with Adesanya is, he will take the jab to the face and like the look to throw over, like. And it, when you when you got a guy who's as big as you are, shit don't work. Yeah. I mean, Whitaker, people forget Whitaker came up from welterweight. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he got knocked out by Wonderboy and came up. Gaston too. He keep coming up. Came up from welterweight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, he just eats too much, you know. Um, but you're looking at the real middleweight guys. The huge ass fucking middleweights that Man, are cutting like, down. Yeah, it, it, he's got some. I mean, I mean, Costa's like, insane. He's lucky. Adesanya is lucky. He didn't come into middleweight like three years ago. Yeah. Like Weidman and Rockhold were like, man, Weidman is a fucking huge guy. Yeah. And, and Rockhold too. Oh my god, that fight at two or five, he looked huge. Yeah. These guys are huge. And yeah, I think Adesanya can knock like anyone out. Yeah. Oh, he, for sure. I think he can, but like. I don't understand his reasoning behind calling John Jones out. He hasn't. He won't win that fight. Anywhere. No, he won't win that fight. That's anywhere. for damn sure. Yeah, I don't anywhere. think he's better anywhere, bro. And like, the size disadvantage of I mean, wrestling. Like, oh, like oh, uh, John Jones only gets fucked up because he allows himself to get ego and fight on the feet. Because he tries to beat everybody at their strength. Yeah, but it's like man, which is insane. Yeah, and and he wins. He's undefeated. He's he's never lost. Yeah, and you look at like. I mean, look what he did to Gustafson in the rematch. What did you think about uh, – sorry to digress a little bit. What did you think about the Tiago Santos fight? Yeah, man, it was close. But, I mean, like, wh when did John Jones take a shot? Yeah, not really. He didn't take much. Well, I mean, but And, I mean, Tiago was fucked up. Both of his knees were jacked. Like, I mean, I, I liked the fight, but, like, I didn't think Tiago won. I, I thought didn't it was, either. I thought it was close, but I didn't think he won. Yeah, I also didn't. I think, like, I think if Weidman does a good job, Fights Dominic Reyes. I think he can give John Jones problems. I think he stands a better chance than you got to put John Jones on his back. Yeah, and Adesanya is not the guy to do that. No, for sure he's not. But I don't know if anybody can, because his MMA wrestling is Jones's MMA wrestling is just off the chain. No, has anyone ever put him on his back? Has he ever been taken? He DC. got taken. He got taken down for a second by Gustafson and for a second by DC. But I don't think anyone's ever held him down for thirty seconds. Yeah, that's why, like, Weidman is interesting because Chris will be the guy to, like, try and... Hey, I'm and he's got the submission skills to... Oh, actually, his grappling is great. Yeah, that's what I hear. It's just his jiu-jitsu is insane. And yeah. he's obviously got the wrestling background. As long as he's not an idiot. Wrestled at Clemson or something, right? Weidman? Hofstra. Yeah. Hofstra, that's what it was. Yeah. Hofstra. Yeah, I mean, fuck. That, that, I mean, that's a good fight. Like, I don't... I wouldn't I, mind seeing the Weidman-Rockhold rematch at light heavyweight. We'll see. I think Rockhold's done. Yeah, I think man, he's, he's done, too. He's gotten starched in his last couple of fights. That left hook, man. He cannot stop that left hook to save his life. It's like you, you would think you would work on that after getting fucking starched like that multiple times. Yeah, I mean, his, his, all his coaches should be doing is working on keeping his right hand fucking under his Fucking Bisping said it in the post-fight. Yeah. He was like, man, we see when you kick, you drop your right hand. So left hook, baby. Boom. Speaking of Bisping, oh my God. Eye. Did you see the eye? Oh my God. He fucking, for those of you who don't know, go look at it if you want to be grossed out. He literally just stuck his thumb underneath of his eye and popped out his fucking prosthetic eye. That's pretty fucking cool, though. That was, it was cool that he, did you see him on the Joe Rogan podcast? He was kind of mums the word. He mentioned that he had a prosthetic eye, but he, you could tell he didn't really want to say it. But I think now he's just yeah, coming, he's coming to terms with it. He fucking popped it out. Literally, Wugong, this guy, middleweight champion, won the middleweight title with one fucking eyeball. And just recently, like two days ago, showed everybody on his podcast, he stuck his thumb underneath the bleep, 
popped his fucking eyeball out of his head and was like, look at that shit. And I was like, oh, I was watching it and I was just fucking. I I thought fucking Bisbing was going to kick this shit out of Yaya Rodriguez. Did you see that? That was fucking. He's he's guys. He's a fucking idiot. He's a guy that was once considered one of the most entertaining and loved fighters. And then since six months, you've seen some bradish behavior of his. I was so happy when Frankie Edgar beat the shit out of him. Up until that point, I thought he was okay. But then you see him like talking shit about Zabit. They cut him, and then he started talking shit about the UFC. Then they brought him back, and then after the Jeremy Stevens thing, people were just like, Man, "It's just like enough, okay, dude. you committed a foul, and you're angry at the guy yeah. who can't open his eyes." Like you for were the, the one... foul that you committed. I know. How fucking? What does that make sense? Oh, I could, I could see out of the after the Frankie Edgar thing, bro. You didn't poke Frankie Edgar in the eye, and yeah. Frankie didn't poke you in the eye. He just fucked he you. He hit up. you. Yeah, yeah, and then your eyes this, swelled this up. This is different. I mean, I can't believe you would even. Bro, I've gotten <laughs> touched barely. In wrestling, guy went to heavy hand me. Rake and like, you. Yeah, he raked me. And it hurt. Bro, you need the time, though. Like, it, your eye will spasm. Yeah, you literally can't open your eye. Yeah, it's nuts. And it's just like, he was like talking shit like, oh, only he knows. What do you mean only he knows? Bro, you committed the foul. Yeah, everybody Fuck can see. You. Like, There's no way Jeremy Stevens is faking that shit. No, it was 10 seconds. Like 35 fights in the UFC. And it was 10 seconds into the fight. Like, he's not gas. He's not, like, he's trying not to catch his breath. He's not losing the fight. Like, Nothing happened. Yeah, it's, oh, fuck that guy. Yeah, that was, I think uh, he's going to be a pretty big under, not underdog. He, he might still be the favorite in the fight, but I think a lot of people are going to hope he loses that fight to Jeremy Stevens. Oh, Jeremy Stevens is a dog, bro. He will like, get booed. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I, I agree with he you. He will fucking get booed. It's crazy. That's good stuff, man. I think we're yeah. gonna wrap up this podcast. Wu Gong's got to take off here before too long, but Matt, this was fucking awesome, man. Right, man. Dude, we should do this again. Yeah, I'm this was the down. most like straight up MMA talk that we've had. We just sit there and fucking went on and off two hours of just straight MMA talk. Bro, I, f- I love I love talking. That's why. <laughs> yeah, the voiceover well, work. I like, listen, I like man. This. this is the reason I wanted to start this podcast because, especially for Asian MMA in particular, I don't know of anybody that's doing this. Yeah, man. And for sure. uh, and there's a huge market here for one. And I feel like you know, if we keep churning out the guests, we start to people start to know of the podcast. We bring in people who can speak specifically about Asian MMA, but Singapore, Southeast Asian MMA in particular. Oh, you should do. You should do one where like. We watched the one FC fight while it's going. Yeah, like, some fight companion. Yeah, a couple cool. people have said that. That'd be well, fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know, man. And if uh, if you have anyone that would be good, you think would be interested in doing the podcast, Bro. hit me up and let me know. For sure, like because uh, we're so, gonna get my mixer, and then we can start to do maybe three or four people on the podcast at once. Well, when G- when Gianni comes, I think he'd be a good guy. To do. Uh, for sure, I'd love and to. He have... comes to Singapore a lot because he has to do the commentary. So he oh, the Subas for sure. You have an open invitation anytime you want. You come on the podcast, Gianni please. He does the commentary for like the one hero stuff that's in Beijing, and he also does the. The one warrior. So, like, if we can slot up a time to get him in, fuck maybe. yeah, and we can yeah. do we can do both. Same, yeah. we can do everybody. We can just sit here and talk shit about MMA and Man, get drunk and whatever. What I see is coming in November. We can easily get some guys. Oh yeah, just around the corner. Yeah. And then also UFC on Singapore is coming pretty soon too. So that's another one we can maybe get together for. I think I'm gonna go to that fight. But Askren and Damian Maya, that's good shit. Yeah, fucking Ben Askren, you had one job. He had, he had one job. <laughs> you had one job, bro. He, he had one job, which was to shoot a double leg, and he didn't set it up at all, and that was the problem. Bro, like, Ben Askren got so, like, lazy because he would just walk into takedowns. His instinct is just like, okay, same and, side, and brings just, his head to the same side every time. That, and it's like, his look at his back, flat. Yeah. You ever, your coach ever bitch you out in wrestling for shooting like that? Yeah. Bro, yeah, that's what happens when you just fucking maul people forever. Yeah, you know? uh, but, I mean, the stories about him in the gym just fucking everybody up is insane yeah ben askren yeah he's fucking killer bro that guy he did a wrestling seminar at my high school when he was like the shit in college and bro 
like you you go with him and like he's so grop this this is when he was like at missouri like just leaving and especially for the the folk style of wrestling i mean if there were folk style olympics he would he would fuck everybody up because he's so good at mat returning and so good at riding people and well i mean that's the thing is he exposes his back and that's why he like wasn't very good at freestyle mm. he still made the fucking olympics like, yeah i know i know just with fuck and he's got that crazy style and but yeah it's crazy man but it's crazy man. all right dude well let's do this again that was fucking awesome yeah, i appreciate it sure. brother thank you so much okay everybody this is stronghold podcast number seven sure. we're in the books Thank you so much, Matt. Guys, uh, Matt, give your fucking information if people want to follow you. Uh, guys, Baby Cat Attack on Instagram. Um, be wary of the amount of pictures I post of me and my girlfriend. But there's some good content on there if you like wrestling, takedown techniques and such. Cool. And if you want to follow me, Lucas Leisure, Instagram, uh, Facebook, all that shit. All right, everybody. This is Stronghold Podcast in the books. Wugong. Thank you, buddy. Go on all Spotify. Right. Look, look, look. Cheers, Let's guys. See. Have a good one.